welcome everybody. My name is Peter Bartell. Um, I am joined by Ryan Chapman uh, and Sloan Kelly um, for assisting and facilitating this panel. We have a bunch of great panelists here with us and we'll introduce them as well here in a bit. Uh, a few housekeeping items before we get started. Um, just to let you know the session is being recorded and also um, any questions you have throughout this panel, uh, careers in media for liberal arts, feel free to put them in the chat. Um, absolutely. And we'll have more than enough time at the end to um, to get them going for you. Please remain muted um, if you do um, um, if you do have any questions and we'll address them uh, at the end of the session as well. Um, you can go on camera, but we just ask you to remain muted throughout the session um, for everybody's uh, benefit. And also, um, our access and accommodations here, I'll read through that for you all. Your experience here at Southern New Hampshire University is important to us. It is our policy and practice to create an inclusive and accessible learning environment. If there are aspects of this presentation's design or delivery that present barriers to accessibility, please notify the online the following sorry for the online students online accessibility center by emailing oac at snhu.edu or by phone at 866-305-9430 for campus students campus accessibility center by emailing cac at snhu.edu or by phone at 603-644 3118 and SNHU faculty and staff human resources office by emailing hr at snhu.edu. And as we're going through this FYI, these slides here, everything is clickable. Um, any hyperlinks that you see in the slides, you can also change the language um, that you see it in and, and feel free to add transcriptions with the transcription button as well. And the arrows too, you can actually toggle back and forth from the presentation. We're gonna show some slides of presenters coming up here um, with their LinkedIn profiles included. So you can toggle back and forth uh, through those as well. Uh, as far as Handshake goes, and Ryan will put some of this stuff in the chat too, but for a list of future events listed on Handshake, many of you found this event through Handshake, right? Uh, go to the link uh, listed on the screen, snhu.joinhandshake.com slash events, and you can view any there. We have 20 to 30 at any given time uh, options available for our employer partners. So Ryan just put it in the chat. Thanks, Ryan. And then this is some of the ways you can connect with us here on the career team here at Southern New Hampshire University. Um, the COCE career at snhu.edu is our email and our phone number is 888-672-1458. And then a bunch of icons on the bottom that you can see as well. So uh, that's how you can connect with us. And like I said, if you need to go, Ryan's gonna put some of that info in the chat, but if you need to go back, and capture it, you absolutely can. Um, and now I'll introduce uh, Sloan Kelly, our panel moderator, and then Sloan will introduce the panelists for us. Sloan has worked as a graphic designer and educator for 30 years. Sloan began her career at Southern New Hampshire University in 2014. She's currently the Associate Dean of Fine and Applied Arts, encompassing programs in the fine arts, art history, digital photography, and graphic design. Sloan, thanks so much for joining us and, and facilitating the panel, and we'll let you have the floor to introduce the rest of the panelists. Thank you, Peter, and a warm hello to all our liberal arts students and panelists. I'm really delighted to be here to introduce our six talented panelists who are with us today to discuss their careers in media. 
To get us started, I would like to give the panelists a minute to introduce themselves. And students, please review a detailed biography of the panelists on the screen. I'd like to start with Jill Schwartzman. Jill? Hi. 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 My name is Jill Schwartzman. I'm an executive editor and editorial director at Dutton, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. Um, first of all, I'll say I have a new puppy. So if you see me looking around during the call, <laughs> it's just to see what she's getting up to. Uh, but I have been uh, at Penguin Random House for about 15 years in the industry for 20 and at Dutton specifically for 10 years. Um, and uh, I was an art history major in college. That was my undergrad degree, uh, but found my way to book editing. Um, and I work mostly on nonfiction, lots of pop culture books, celebrity narratives. Uh, and I think publishing is just a wonderful career. And I'm so excited to talk to all of you about it. Thank you very much. Ben Lord. Hey, can we, everybody. Can Hi. we push the slide forward? I'm sorry, excuse me. No worries. Song, it's all good. Um, my name is Ben Lord, coming to y'all from Atlanta, Georgia, here at Equifax, where I have been working for a little over a month now. So still figuring stuff out and having a blast supporting security communications here specifically, helping our, our chief information security officer influence what good security looks like through strategic communications. Um, so I've only been out of college a couple of years now. I spent um, two years at NCR Corporation before, before joining here, did exec comms there as well. But yeah, excited to chat with y'all. Great, welcome. Uh, Jennifer Moxley. Hi there, I'm Jennifer Moxley, new hair color, same person. Um, I am the CEO of Sunshine Media Network. I've owned my own company for 11 years now. I've been in media communications for 22 years. Um, I started in local newspaper, I went into television, and then started my own company. I was a communications major in college because I thought that was the easy major, um, and it has really paid off throughout my career. So I'm so grateful to be a part of a panel like this and connect to SNHU because I really believe in liberal arts and I also value sharing all of the different ways that you can turn your loves, your likes, and your degree into maybe entrepreneurism or some other kind of media and communications work. I'm also a videographer and an editor, a production director, um, so I have a lot of technical as well as messaging um, background. Terrific. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, next, we have Kate McKinnon. Hi, everybody. I am uh, the less famous Kate McKinnon. I am the head of human resources for Playfly Sports. We are a sports media marketing agency uh, headquartered out of the Philadelphia area. Um, so go birds for anybody that follows the, the Eagles um, or anybody that hates the Eagles. Either way, we're happy to, to be fans here. Um, I have a very interesting background. Um, my undergrad was psychology, criminal justice, and sociology. Um, spent some time in nonprofit, went into sales, and then transitioned into human resources and training and development. So I've been with uh, Playfly Sports for almost a year and a half, and I'm absolutely very passionate about sports, but also about being able to utilize your undergrad degree in a lot of various ways and how to have unconventional career paths that get you to where you want to be for your, for your lifelong career dreams. Thank you, Kate. 
Uh, next, we have Carmen Maclack. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm an associate manager um, in ad sales partnerships at A&E Networks. Um, I've been at A&E Networks for about three and a half years. I started off in on the sales team um, as an SSR, and now I work in creative partnerships. Um, I graduated from Loyola University, Maryland uh, with a major in communications PR and a minor in history. Um, so I love that I landed at the History Channel. Um, definitely one of my passions. Um, and I have a little bit of that liberal arts background. Again, I went to a Jesuit school. So um, I'm really passionate about the liberal arts and hopefully helping you all figure out how to transition that into the industry. Terrific. Thank you. And last but not least, Jacob Phil. Yeah, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Jacob Phil. I work in corporate communications for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so, Kate, I can can go on record and say I'm hating the Eagles right now. Um, still recovering after uh, yesterday's tough loss, but um, start of an uh, exciting offseason um, and hopefully a lot of a lot of good changes around the organization uh, coming in the next few months. Um, so I, I attended Gonzaga University. Um, I was a communications major as well um, and uh, eventually found myself um, working in PR. So I spent a little bit of time at a tech uh, PR agency in the Bay Area. Um, and then quickly moved over to the sports side um, and I've been with the 49ers. Um, this was just my uh, wrapping up my fourth season with them. Um, so, yeah, really excited to be here. I'm always happy and willing to, to talk to people who um, want to work in sports um, as it's a passion of mine. So um, thanks for having me. All righty. Thank you. Now that we've met all our panelists. I'm going to ask each of them to answer a few questions. And I am going to start, actually, Jacob, why don't I start with you and work backwards? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you landed the job where you are now and what were some key aspects that led you to your current role? Yeah. Um, so like I said, you know, I, I graduated Gonzaga in 2019 um, and started working right after graduation um, at a tech PR agency here in the Bay Area. Um, that was a place that I had interned with um, previously. So the summer before my senior year of college, um, and they invited me to come uh, work for them full time after graduation. Um, was really loving that job, um, although I think after a few months, uh, I still knew that I wanted to eventually make my transition over into the sports industry. Um, and so actually my my path to the 49ers um, was really just right place, right time. Um, but I had actually applied for a job with the 49ers while I was a senior in college. Um, I interviewed um, and didn't get the job at the time, uh, but my, my um, current boss and someone who I had interviewed with um, had someone unexpectedly quit from their team right as they were starting the 2019 season. Um, so he gave me a call and said, um, hey, I remembered you from your initial interview. We just had an opening um, within our team and our department. So wondering if you're interested to learn more. Um, and of course I was. So um, I, I've grown up in the Bay Area um, for you know most of my life. And so the 49ers were my childhood team um, and the opportunity came knocking and I, uh, you know, answered the call. So um, I actually started with the 49ers as an intern um, in their corporate communications uh, department back in 2019 um, and have since, um, you know, obviously gotten on full time um, and, and have been with them uh, ever since. 
Terrific. Thank you. I am going to turn it over to Jennifer Moxley. I'm also going to ask you, Jennifer, how you landed the job you're in now and what were some key aspects that led you to your current role? Uh, thank you, Sloan. I think that my phone is trying to become my camera, so <laughs> don't let that technology uh, scare you. Okay, I just <laughs> that is a weird new thing Apple is doing now. Um, so uh, every job I've gotten has been a matter of meeting people in the places that can get me to the next place. Um, so I, my college advisor helped me get my first newspaper job. From there, I reached out to the next newspaper I wanted to go to and met someone there, started working my way in. From there, I was working alongside a TV reporter and I wanted to know how to get into TV. I'd sent my resume a hundred times. It didn't land, but once I mentioned it to them, they got it in front of someone. Um, and I had a huge campaign to become an on-camera reporter of 35 letters of recommendation because it was the only thing I had to offer. I had never been on camera. I never used a camera. I never shot a camera. So, um, for my job now being self-employed, I had been in the field and there was a man who ran a satellite truck and we kept talking and interacting and about eight years in, nine years into local news, I was like, I got to get out of here. They're hiring cheaper, younger, and I haven't even peaked. Um, I've got to go somewhere else. And a bigger city was not what I was looking for because I had children that I was sharing with their dad. And um, so I... Uh, just pulled this guy's business card up and said, hey, I don't know what you do, but I'd like to know more. And he happened to be looking for someone to work alongside him. It was a huge risk. I didn't know him that well, um, but I knew I needed to do something different. Um, and so from there, I started freelancing with national news. <laughs> And it was a lot of learning as you go. Um, so a lot of mistakes, a lot of scary moments and a lot of risks, but freelancing with national news, I saw that I wanted to kind of separate from working with someone else and do my own thing. And in those four years, I also saw a need for Gen X, particularly experts and entrepreneurs who just needed some support, some coaching and some um, messaging to have the confidence to be on local news and national news. And so I started focusing on that. And then from there, it's kind of just branched into other things people need me for. I was actually a freelance videographer for the 49ers uh, when they came to Charlotte. So that was really cool. Um, so you just figure out what you can do and you start telling people you do it. When you're doing that, you start seeing what people need. And then if you can do that, you start doing that. Um, but it's all like within the realm of things that that I'm good at, which are meeting people, messaging, communications, um, and then the technical parts, too, of, of camera work and production. So. Fantastic. All right. And Jill Schwartzman. I'm going to ask you how you also landed where you are now, but what also, what does your typical day-to-day -day role look like? Sure. Um, so I landed, it's been a longer path for me than for many of you. Uh, and by the way, oh, there's the puppy. Uh, big sports fan, uh, sympathetic to all the good and bad for the teams, but I do work on a lot of sports books, including one about the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's my, I'm so sorry. I hope you can't hear her. Oh, come on, Pepper. Um, but, uh, hopefully, so I was an art history major in college and I didn't, but I did not want to work in a museum. I hadn't really thought enough about my career. So I got a job working for a bookstore 
And that's what led me to learning about all the different publishers and about all the different imprints. Uh, and then I moved to New York City, knowing that that's where most book publishing is. I will note later that you do not need to live in New York City, especially now to work in book publishing, but you really did at the time. Um, and at the coffee shop where I was working, I met someone who had a friend who had a friend. Um, and uh, I got an introduction to my first boss, got my first job at HarperCollins, and then moved to Random House and then Penguin five years later. So uh, my typical day to day is that I probably spend, you know, a good five to six hours in meetings, reading and writing emails, kind of managing book projects. But then I spend a couple hours every day editing the books that I acquire, and then a couple hours talking and reaching out to literary agents to find out uh, the next big projects that are coming up uh, and buying new books um, that will hopefully become Penguin Random House's next bestseller. So it's probably more than half of my time on the business side. And then the other slightly less than half is half kind of creative editorial and half relationship building. Great. Thank you. Carmen Makalak. how did you land where you are now and what does your typical day-to-day -day role look like? Yeah, um, so when I graduated um, college in 2019, I actually didn't have a job coming out of college. So I was very much in the job hunt. Um, I applied everywhere and that I could. I applied throughout the industry. I applied um, through LinkedIn. I applied like everywhere you could think of. And so the way that I got my job, though, was through my network. Um, I was really close with um, one of the people who runs our, ran our career center in college. Um, I went to a couple of events with her and I really stayed in touch with her. And over the summer, she texted me and she said, hey, you know, there's a job that's going to be posted at A&E Networks. I know you wanted to work in the industry. Um, are you still looking? And I was like, absolutely. You know, connect me to this person. This was before it was even posted on Handshake. Um, and so just by connecting with her and then somebody else I ended up going to school with, um, they were able to refer me to a job at A&E Networks. So um, the networking was crucial to me getting to to my foot in the door at A&E Networks, which um, I can only um, give the most advice about is keeping your network close because that's really how you'll continue to move forward. Um, but I got my job at A&E Networks as an SSR, so I worked in sales. Um, and then two years later, there was an opening in our creative partnerships department, which I was super excited about. I knew I really wanted to do that. I was a PR ad major in college, so I knew I wanted to do something that really was more creatively focused, more brainstorming, more production wise and how we can bridge the gap between brands and television. And so, again, I just knew people who were working in our partnerships department and I was like, I'm interested in partnerships. There's a job open. Um, I landed the job. And so that's where I am today. And my day to day is part. It's two parter. Um, it's a lot of um, resources and material development, so decks, presentations, videos, um, creative examples, sizzles. So a lot of ways to showcase our programming and our content. And then the second part of my job is really creative brainstorming. So how can we bridge the gap between Coca-Cola and the History Channel? Or like, how do you bring together these brands that feel so organic, like Married at First Sight and... Um, like K jewelers or something like that. So that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is half this resource materials um, creation and then brainstorming some creative partnerships. Terrific, thank you, Carmen. All right, Kate McKinnon. 
Um, how did you land um, in the career you are now? And what are some key aspects that led you there? So um, how did I land in my in my current role? So my my background, as I explained a little bit, was pretty unconventional. I came out of school with a psych criminal justice sociology degree and was very interested in criminal profiling and working with adolescents with behavioral and psych disorders. So I did that for about five years and uh, my my parents wondered, you know, what is what did we do wrong here? Why are you in this industry right now? <laughs> These kids are, are really, really challenging. And my father had been in sales and he had kind of prompted me to get into sales. And so I did and I absolutely fell in love with it. I was in sales for about 12 years. And very uh, similar to the other panelists, you know, all of the positions that I have been fortunate to work in, I've uh, been able to get as a result of networking. So people that I've known that have contacted me for other opportunities that have said, you know, you'd be perfect for this. Why don't you consider this? Um, and during my time in sales, I really found that there was a gap between um, two different things. One, uh, the HR departments that were in place to help employees, um, but really were also in place to help uh, protect the employer. And just a gap between knowledge sharing around people that were doing the job day in and day out and people that were actually making the decisions. Um, and then, you know, I really saw that there were a lot of sellers that were very, very good at sales that were being promoted into leadership roles and failing terribly because the skill set for sellers is so incredibly different than the skill set for, for managers. And not all sellers really have the desire to lead teams, lead people. And so then I became very, very interested in leadership development. I went back to school. I got my master's in leadership development. And I was networking at a Villanova event. And there was a speaker from Avis Budget Group. And he was the head of HR at Avis. And I went down to him after his presentation. And I said, I will work for you. I would love to work for you. I don't care what I do. I will relocate anywhere. Just I want to learn from you. And long story short, he created a position for me and I moved uh, to North Jersey and ended up working for Avis in their training and development department and fell even more in love with HR and everything that comprised um, the ability to protect the company by supporting the employees that work at the company. And then what you find is that you, in, you have this environment where the employees wanna protect the company because they love where they're working. And so I think that some of the things that really led me to this role were, were, you know, again, very, very similar to the other panelists, finding finding a niche, finding something that I was interested in, and then also always keeping my options open, always being willing to do something a little bit different. Um, I was contacted about this position because somebody knew that I loved sports and somebody knew that I was passionate about leading and growing and developing an HR department. Um, I'd done that in my last organization that was also a private equity backed organization. And I think that, you know, one one mistake that I see people make oftentimes with networking is reaching out to people and asking them what they can do for them. Um, can you get me a job? Can you do this for me? But really reaching out and providing somebody with something that you have to offer or asking them, how did you get to where you are today is really a much more effective way of making an introduction and really helping to build and grow your network. So I would say don't don't turn down anything. Um, and, and also recognize that where you where you are is probably where you're meant to be and take a lesson from everything that you do. Thank you, Kate. 
All right. And Ben, I know you just started with Equifax, so I'm not going to ask you about a typical day-to-day yet, (laughs) but I would, um, and I'm sure the students would like to know how you landed where you are now and what are some key aspects that led you to this role? Sure, Sloan, I'd be glad to. I'll I'll back up to college since I didn't really talk about my, my alma mater much. So I studied communications at Barry College, which is a private liberal arts college. So I was there on a you know work-based scholarship, and um, I was a, a first-generation student, kind of coming from from a low-income family. So I was going to take the conventional path to riches. I just was kind of shamelessly. I was like, I'm going to be an English and economics double major because, and it's going to be pre-law. I'm going to be a lawyer and I might be president. And I, I, I just somewhere along the way, I um, I just did all kinds of stuff that kind of showed my true colors and showed that I was more <laughs> the creative side. I, um, I I wrote an article about like comparing myself to P.T. Barnum. I made this local viral um, rap video um, about artisan cheese to help us break a bunch of cheese records with our sales from a business I was working for, uh, making trouble like that and eventually kind of got nudged over to the communications department. Um, And I just knew I was going to, you know, maybe not get the same paycheck and I should not have been putting that much emphasis. But what I learned is like I had to play to my strengths, right? I was better following my passions or whatever. You know, I was like, okay, okay. Um, So I didn't even really know the PR discipline was a thing before I got to Barry, though. I mean, I was from a little bitty town. I definitely had not thought about internal communications and and, and the fact that that was a thing and definitely not the exact comms discipline. So I just, I got this internship. I was very fortunate to do internal and ex- executive communications at NCR, which, which they're a enterprise technology company. They make like self-checkouts at Walmart and um, Chick-fil-A is a client, which... I thought was really cool because um, I used to work at Chick-fil-A. But anyway, so I fell into that discipline and just had a lot of fun with it. Um, and from there, was was hired back on full time to, to do exec comms. And I, I got to help our CEO with his LinkedIn. I got to help our, our chief marketing officer send out a lot of communications that helped everybody at the company tell the story better. I, I hyperlinked. a a brand store to a frog emoji. And I just did all this really silly, creative stuff in a business to business world. And I was just like, this is, you know, let me just push the envelope and see how silly I can be and how much fun I can have. I ended up getting to be NCR CEO for a day from another rap video and just, um, just tried to keep challenging the comfort zone and have fun. And I, I feel like I learned more than two years worth of stuff in two years and documented it well on LinkedIn. And so Equifax, reached out about this role. And it just seemed so interesting, right? Because I think everybody knows about our data breach back in 2017. And so I'm like, y'all are really out here trying to be leaders in security now, maybe trying to overcompensate. That sounds like fun. Um, I'm here for it. And I I got really good vibes from our CISO, who I now support our, our chief information security officer. And it just felt like the right next thing. So here I am. Terrific. Thank you. 
Peter, do we want to reach out to students now? Okay. Yeah, you. absolutely, Sloan. We had, thank you, Sloan and, and panelists. We had a ton of questions come through, so uh, absolutely great stuff from everybody. Um, Jen, thanks for killing it in the chat with uh, all your feedback to students. That's been great. Uh, so students, just FYI, we have a half hour. We've had some questions come through already. Uh, feel free to keep putting them through in the chat. I got them logged as they're coming in, so we'll We'll ask away, um, and if you prefer, um, we are going to leave the option open to raise your hand. There should be an icon for hand raise towards the top middle. You can click that if that's the option you choose, and then I'll enable your mic. Uh, you'll be able to go on camera and ask your question if you prefer that way. So we'll get started with the questions kicked off. Addie, you've had your hand raised, um, so feel free to take yourself off mute. You should be able to speak if you indeed had a question, just wanted to give you the opportunity. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. We hear you. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, honestly, I've been uh, I've been in media for a while, and I'm just curious. Um, you know, you guys all have different experience. I, I really um, am following the path of getting into media. Um, I am a writer, but um, it, to me, it doesn't matter because you end up where you end up. Um, but I'm just trying to like really uh, find a home in a company. That, that I could uh, use my creative uh, strengths uh, pretty much. And, you know, just I was asking about, like, um, I guess, how to apply for, you know, these different companies, like uh, different media companies, more precisely. Um, yeah, what would you guys suggest if I wanted to apply? I have kind of an overall suggestion that's also related to some of the things that I've seen in the chat where, um, you know, sometimes people are not specifically talking about if they're asking about publishing or, you know, one of the, the careers that one of the other panelists have. But I think that people sometimes think that to apply for publishing jobs, you have to show off your writing and that you have written quite a lot. Where actually what we're looking for in editorial is people who are great readers. Being an, a great writer is a plus two. But I would say the best thing anyone can do if they want to work in book publishing is to read the kind of books that Penguin Random House and other big publishers are publishing to look at the New York Times bestseller list, see what's selling to read those books. I just hired an assistant a few months ago, and the assistant that I chose was the one who had a really good understanding of what books she liked to read. She could talk about why she liked them, and she already had kind of a leg up just because she understood the kind of books that we published, which uh, were, you know, literary fiction and also commercial publishing. Um, and we didn't look at any of her academic writing. We didn't look at any of her personal writing. We gave her a writing assignment, which she did. But the thing we cared about the most was how engaged she was with what our company already did. Is that helpful? I would also just love to echo you, Jill, um, at A&E. When I interviewed, they asked me about what shows are on our networks. How much do you know about like what the History Channel brand is? What is the Lifetime brand? And that went much farther than them asking what my internship experience was because I didn't have a lot, but I did know the shows that were on our network. So it was much easier for them to understand that I did my research. I was passionate about the topic and that relates sometimes better, like you said, than the academic writing that might be coming in through a resume or through a cover letter or whatever it is. Definitely knowing the company and the content that the company produces is very important in just overall, again, applying to places and interviewing with places. Yeah, just one more thing to to echo that too, is that when I hired my last assistant again, 
It wasn't through connections. Every resume I looked at, every person I talked to was just someone who applied through HR like a regular person. But I did get some HR, some I did get some um, some resumes from people that were very strong in other ways. But if they say "Dear Simon and Schuster" on the top, which really did happen, I have to wonder how passionate they are about what Penguin Random House does. Which I know sounds silly, but it does happen. Yeah, I would I would agree. And I think it's the little things. I mean, don't ever, um, you know, put off doing the little things. So we might get 2000 resumes for an internship and we can't possibly go through all of them. But the people that we will always talk to, whether they have experience or not, are the people that will go one step beyond. Sometimes people that will say, can I shadow somebody for a day? just for no reason, or we'll send a handwritten thank you note. I know it sounds very old school or like a very antiquated way of communicating, but all it does is bring you to the top of the list. It makes you stand out a little bit more. And I think that's the case for everything. I mean, people that will sometimes say, you know, I sent 2000 resumes out and I applied to 2000 jobs, but I never got a call back. It's that step, step ahead that will get you that call back, that will get you that introduction. I love the um, the handwritten thank you notes. Absolutely, for sure. That is a way to, it's how can you stand out, right? Like you said, and, and the little things can go so much further. Um, good, good, good. Um, so we, Janessa, I see your hand raised. We'll, we'll get to in you, in a minute. you in a minute. We had a, a few more come through the chat. Caitlin Fitzgerald asked one through the chat. Um, what is the best way to get into editing without a portfolio? And, and any panelists that would like to answer can have the floor. I'm assuming that that means copy editing, but I'm going to go ahead and speak about video editing because we have a whole media group. Um, you know, if you don't have a portfolio, I have to ask why. Nowadays, we have access to everything. You can find content on the internet that you can edit and put on your reel. We have cell phones that we can shoot video. We can edit on our phones. People will come to me and say, I don't have equipment. I don't have this. I don't have that. But nowadays, there is so much access to um, consumer types of equipment. And even if we are talking about copy editing, surely you can find content on the internet that you the original and then you show the copy edited version of your own perspective. Um, when I was trying to be a producer in news, I had never been a producer in news. So how do I become a producer in news? You know, and I don't come from a family with any status, so I didn't just have connections. Um, and so I had to just watch the news, make up some stuff and figure out how to do it to where it looked like I tried. And you'd be surprised how often just trying, even though it's janky, can really go far with someone because as someone said, I think it was Kate, you went that one extra step further. It doesn't have to be at the top level. I think sometimes we talk ourselves out of it, like we're not good enough and we're not comparing with other people. And those are just ways to, you know, stay behind the obstacle. Um, so I, I really think that you can create your own portfolio of whatever it is that, that you can show. And that is more than a lot of other people are doing. And that makes you stand out. I think Jennifer brings up a good point, and this doesn't have to do with editing, but it's really just around 
going that extra mile really does make you stand out because so few people do it. It's amazing how many people just send out resumes and don't just do that extra little thing, whatever that may be. Or when you do get an interview, don't ask those questions that are really good questions of the interviewer. I would say 80% of the time when I ask if people have questions, they say, no, 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 I already got all the information from the website or I already looked on social media. But ask a question about the interview interviewer. Ask them how they like working there if you're not really sure what to ask. Really, anything is better than asking nothing. And so it's just those little things where if somebody has no questions, they could be a perfect candidate. But then I just sort of cast them to the side because I, I view them as maybe not being curious or not being interested. Um, and so those are little things that just make a big difference. Especially in the media discipline, right? Because, I mean, no matter if you're a writer, if you're if it's video, no matter what, like we're looking for different angles, maybe to tell the same story through a different lens. And it's what media is all about, kind of earning people's attention. So it it sets the right tone if you can do that about yourself or if you can if you can dig up a nugget to inquire about, you know, maybe um, maybe it's a question. I'll, I'll tell you guys when I started when I interviewed for Equifax, right? I there was somebody in the security organization, not the CISO. He wasn't in like he wasn't on the leadership team. But he went out and did an interview with the Technology Association of Georgia. And I knew like that, that he probably went rogue and that's probably fine. But it, it, it seemed like a missed opportunity to coordinate um, messaging. Right. So I asked about that and I could kind of see the alarm bells going off in my soon to be boss's head. He's like, oh, shoot. How did I not know about that? It's 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 those opportunities to to set yourself apart, right? And and a lot of people wait for that perfect opportunity to you know help with a brand or get that experience to build a portfolio. But I would publish my own articles on LinkedIn. I mean, you can self-publish um, in in pretty much any medium now. So that's that's your first audition for the job is showing that you have that skill set. Awesome point, uh, Ben, about LinkedIn and, and publishing your own work and everything can definitely get a lot of exposure on there. And all recruiters have to do, too, right, is click view activity and they can see um, anything that you've really posted. Um, just side note plug for our students. We um, all of our students have access to LinkedIn learning. So students, if you were not aware of that um, just from uh, an educational standpoint, that's something that you definitely have access to. Uh, Janessa, feel free. You you have the floor for the next question. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I have so many questions, but I'll stick with the most pressing one for now. Um, I'm planning on going into the entertainment industry as a screenwriter, um, but I'd really like to operate as more of a, a jack of all trades, kind of, you know, get as many skills as I can. Um, so I was just wondering if there are any, you know, like universally valuable skills for someone going into the entertainment industry to have that's just right off the bat going to be like, oh, yes, I'm glad you can do that along with, you know, writing or whatever. <laughs> I would love to jump into this first. Uh, Janessa, thank you for asking. So in video production, so many people say, I can do anything, I'll do everything, I'll do whatever you want. And I'm like, eh, that's scary. That means you're good at nothing. 
So go ahead and say, I want to be a screenwriter. I'm here to be a screenwriter because I promise you someone will say, I hear you, but right now we need someone to run cables. Are you down with that? And then they'll find out really quickly if you're a team player and that is a skill team player. They'll find out really quickly if you're a diva, they'll find out really quickly if you show up on time. Like, so don't be afraid. I see a lot of stuff in the chat about rejection and getting clear and how do I do it and what do I do? And, you know, I always like to equate it to dating. You have to be very specific about what you are looking for. Stop trying to be what other people want. And in and, and the job search, it doesn't feel that way because we need money. We need to live. But ultimately, when you're real clear about who you are and what you're looking for, and, and you're like, this company looks attractive. Let me swipe. I kind of want to learn more because I've checked them out. The person interviewing you feels that. And Addie put in the chat, I ask questions and I get rejections. You're going to get rejections. Those are not your people. And some of us get more rejections than others. Those are not your people. And just know that that at the end of the day will be a blessing that you learned from that interview and that they did not bring you on and then treat you like crap at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So Janessa, be very specific. I want to be a screenwriter. Look for ways to put yourself in proximity to screenwriting. Other jobs will show up in that area, and then you can learn how to do those jobs to make ends meet or just get it under your wing. I respect and value anyone on a team who can do all the jobs possible if someone has COVID, which happens a lot now, but I really need you to be good at your job because that's the position I'm putting you in. Thank you. And I have to say from just an interviewing perspective, your question was a perfect example of a really good question, very creative. And also, I think even just through the question you asked, showcased your personality. Uh, Janessa or any other, Ben, I'll give it to you in a second. Any other um, uh, attendees that have asked questions, feel free to put your LinkedIn's in the chat too. That that goes for anybody, honestly. Um, that that's a great opportunity to get connected with the recruiters as well, right? So, Ben, go ahead. Sure, um, I agree with what Jennifer said about the, the importance of leaning into one thing that you really want to do and then branching out. But I, I did want to point to one soft skill that I feel like serves really well in any space, and that's. Um, and that's empathy, right? If, if you can't understand and share the feelings of, of your audiences, you can't craft messages that resonate. But I, I've started thinking about that more broadly lately, right? Because it's not just the end reader or viewer. It's all the levels of approval you have to shepherd things through. If it's legal, what's it going to take to get them to give it a thumbs up and stuff like that? So really being able to think about their pain points and the lens that they see it through and being able to put that hat on for all different people is going to serve you really well in this profession. I'd love to follow up that Ben said about soft skills. I think another one that is really important and maybe not as much talked about in PR or um, some of these other um, industries that my fellow panelists are in, but I think being creative is just really important, Um, especially when you're interviewing. You know, I'm about to start my new search for um, our our next intern for, for the next football season, and a lot of interns that I interview do not have you know, robust PR experience, right? Because they're just graduating college. They maybe have had one internship, but it's not going to give them, you know, pages long of experience in PR. But what they can do is they can take other jobs that they've had, maybe not necessarily in PR, and find things that they've learned in those jobs to make it relevant to what I'm looking for. 
Um, so I would say, you know, even if you don't have experience that is 100 um, percent applicable to something you're applying for, get creative in how you can, you know, use your previous learnings um, to make yourself, you know, more attractive, um, more, you know, just willing to be that team player that some of these other folks have talked about. Um, I think just being able to, you know, make yourself a well-rounded candidate, um, even especially as an intern, um, is just, you know, a really good skill to have. Thanks, Janessa. Thanks all. I think well-rounded is the theme, right? Um, no matter what you're doing, kind of get that skill set and that makes you definitely more more attractive as a candidate. Um, Sophia Wilkinson asked in the chat, are there any ways to garner experience to add to your portfolio if you're being turned down for internships? Um, I would love to jump in here. I never really had an internship in my undergraduate. I know I saw a couple people in the chat say the same thing because it, it's hard to get an internship, especially if maybe you want to work in New York City, but you go to school somewhere or you live somewhere else or you're not in that location. Um, I applied to huge internships. I'm from New Jersey, so New York is a, a throw a stone's throw away. But I went to school in Baltimore. And so what I suggest to people anytime they reach out to me is go into your local markets. There's definitely news stations, newspapers, small businesses that would give you that experience. So what I did is I took a course in college. Um, our school had a student-run publishing press. I reached out to a professor and I said, um, listen, I would love to help with this press. I took the courses already, but do you have anything for me to do? And he was like, I can set up an internship for you to do during the school year. You can help me do the royalties. You can help me run the social media. But it was on campus. It was a small internship, but it's one of my big talking points when I do interviews because it was a local market. It was no, not a lot of people have heard of it. It's very small, but I can guarantee you there's probably a newspaper in your town who would love help on their social media. That's a great way to get experience. And it's, it's a, it's your local market. So there may not be a job posting, but just reaching out to that person can get you experience. It doesn't have to be a standard like corporate internship, summer internship that gets you experience. It could be waiting tables at a restaurant. Any sort of customer service experience is going to be great on a resume. So maybe not that definitive corporate experience might be what you have, but you can create the experiences that people will find valuable and just people skills like customer service, the fact that maybe you reached out to somebody and you created a position for yourself. It's you almost have to make some of those nowadays in this remote world is finding pockets where there may not be postings, but you can create those for you because people don't know that they need it until you reach out and offer it either. So might not have a corporate internship, but I do highly suggest if you find that you're down in that spot, there's local places that will absolutely, you might not get paid, but the experience is well worth anything that you could get by not doing anything at all. Yes, I would also say in book publishing, um, working at a bookstore or a library is really just as, val as valuable as an internship at a publishing house. Um, I hired two vendors off Twitter because they were geeks about their industry. So one of them is a graphic designer <clears throat> and she would create contests for graphic designers on Twitter. And even when she had six likes and four likes or no likes or no retweets, she still competed with herself to create graphic design for some random product she just made up with 
four parameters. I watched her do this for like a month or two. And I was like, okay, I need to work with this woman. She loves what she does. And clearly she's motivated to just do it even when no one's paying her. And then the second person, um, I just interviewed her for a second time today and signed a contract with her. She is a social media person. And I just liked what she was putting on her Twitter. She lives in I don't know where she lives. It's a different time zone, Pittsburgh or Ohio, because it doesn't matter. It's the middle of nowhere from how she said it. But she was on Twitter and she was just being about her business and being about, I love what I'm doing. And when she saw me, it was like that dating relationship. I like what you're doing and I'm about the the mission that you have with your product. And so we had alignment and I was listening for her to align with me. I wasn't just desperate to hire someone. I wanted to make sure she did that research, that she knew what she was getting into and that she agreed with those things. I had a baby in high school. I did not want an internship. I needed a job that paid money. So I was finding anything I could do. And I love what Carmen said, work at a grocery store and figure out how those skills transfer in sales or customer service or management and then talk to people. Hey, Miss Smith, you're back again. You know, I really want to be in newspaper. I really want to be a reporter. Do you know anybody? You, you would really be surprised how much people want to help you. This whole panel is here to help because people helped us. We've actually hired quite a few people, too, that have done social media for volunteer opportunities. So I volunteered at a wildlife sanctuary um, and there was a girl there that takes pictures and, and does blog posts about the animals and the rescues. And you could just see the passion. She loved it. it was, she wasn't getting paid for it. She was volunteering there. And that was something that I thought was really interesting that she was doing. Um, I also have a neighbor who wants to get into publishing who ended up working for a, na a local nail salon because she didn't have another opportunity. And she said, hey, did you ever think about creating a post? Did you ever think about marketing these things? And so she was able to do that and added those things to her portfolio. And so I think that there are a lot of really creative ways that you can just just go a little bit a little bit extra in what you're doing and make it your own. And I think it makes it very easy to sell yourself once you do that. And then you're confident about what you have to offer. And I think that's the other thing I'm seeing a lot of people in the chat and, and hearing about maybe a fear of networking. And I think that comes from not knowing what you want to network about or not being sure what to say. And I think when you're passionate about something, it just comes across. And so it makes it a lot easier if you're relating it to the dating um, example. Really, you know, when you're confident, when you feel like you know what you're looking for and you're able to articulate that, it's attractive to people that are attracted to that. And that those are, are the people that you want to connect with anyway. I, I think um, Jen kind of proved that, right? When she saw what somebody was doing and said, this is who I need to reach out to, uh, paid or unpaid, didn't matter. It's what they were doing, like you were saying, Kate. So uh, thank you, everybody, for those answers. That was awesome. Um, um, Eddie and Janessa, actually, and Jenny shared some good examples from students of things that they've done in the chat. So just wanted to call them out. Eddie said he creates posters for screenplays. Uh, Janessa creates Pinterest boards, and then Jenny said she publishes 
her writing and design, and then also blogs. And Ryan Chapman actually mentioned that in the chat too. Uh, blogging is definitely a great way uh, as well to get that experience. We had uh, some more questions, so absolutely keep them coming. Feel free to raise your hand. We got we probably got time for two more, I'd say. Um, before we hit that six o'clock Eastern time hour. But thank you all for attending. Um, so the next one is is kind of a follow up from the first question that was asked. I wanted to get back to it from Caitlin Fitzgerald. Uh, what about uh, your resumes in general uh, can help you to stand out uh, from the others? I would say... I Oh, you go, Jill. You go first. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say resumes generally look similar to me. I don't think it's cover letters where people stand out. Um, yeah, I was going to say the standard resume format, I mean, is it works because it works. That's just the way that systems read it and everything. Um, I will say if you put something on your resume that's your passion about, maybe it's a skill or like I studied abroad that will sometimes grab people's attention, even though it's in the format of the resume. Just seeing that one thing like studied abroad in Athens, it'll stop people because it's not something they'll normally see. Something like that. So maybe you have a, a skill you're very good at or something that you're very passionate about will just stop the eye instead of it just seeing like can create this or does this it, it just stops the eye a little bit so that would be my suggestion but i agree cover letters i think is where you can really shine um and showcase how your individualism is but if you're just submitting a resume something fun but relatable can stop people's eye and get them to look at your resume further yeah and i would add the other thing that is is a negative that really stops people is a spelling errors or any kind, I mean, have your, your resume triple, quadruple checked. Any any type of spelling error is discounted immediately because if you have, say, 2,000 resumes for a job, it's like you, you are looking for the best ones, right? So if there's a spelling error, then that might reflect, you know, lack of attention to detail as an example. Um, the other thing that I usually tell people is don't just have one resume have multiple different resumes that you tweak for the jobs that you're interested in. So ensuring that if you're applying for a job at Playfly Sports, you wanna highlight sports-related activity. If you're applying to a job at a publisher, you wanna, hi you wanna highlight the publishing act activity that you've done or interest that you have. And so making sure that you don't have just a one-size-fits-all um, also will, prevent you from making the mistake of having the wrong name on the wrong cover letter. And so just be, being very intentional and making sure that you're that you're doing that, um, I think, makes a big difference. And then on LinkedIn, also, I highly recommend don't just have the employers and the job titles. Some people fail to put in description of what they've been up to there. I mean, you, you can even take the bullet points from your resume, maybe tweak them a little bit. I like to sneak in something fun, an emoji or two, just you can, you can kind of weave in a little more personality because you don't have the character limits. But if, if you're going to send somebody a connection request, you know, optimize your page so they can tell what you've been up to and why, why they should engage with you. And don't underestimate the customer service jobs. The, those are incredible training grounds for teamwork, 
on time, you know, customer facing. Um, to Carmen's point, you know, if you're working at a grocery store or coffee shop to make ends meet, there's a lot of skill sets that you're doing in that field that translate over into other industries. A lot of the resumes I see, particularly women, they don't brag enough about what they're bringing to the table. Um, so I, I saw one resume, the woman was a stay-at-home mom for seven years, and she put that on there, and she put time management, team management, and all the other things that, that were part of being a stay-at-home mom and I vastly respected that because you are learning skills out there. Great points. Thank you panelists for sure. Um, Kate, love the point on um, multiple resumes, right? For sure. I think that's something that's easy to not do, <laughs> um, but definitely pertinent and uh, skills no matter what they are for sure. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, great. Uh, I, I will discontinue asking the questions. I want to give the panelists a time to make any final remarks that they may individually have. You don't have to, um, but just give you one last opportunity before we conclude here in two minutes. Just wanted to say thank you to everybody for hosting this. I learned a lot and uh, wish everybody success. Yeah, one thing that I would love to add is that I think the pandemic has really created a lot of insecurity and a lot of um, stress around the job, the job search process and the networking process, because there's been such a lack of contact with people. And so try to get yourself out there and meeting new people, even if it's not in a job related networking forum. So whether it's a, you know, a party or an event or a dinner where you might not know anybody and you have to make introductions, it's a really easy way for you to get back in the swing of things and, and kind of avoid, uh, instead of avoiding. Yeah, I would agree. I think my final, like, overarching um, kind of advice would to be keep your networks like updated and keep connected with them. It's just, it's so important. And you never know when you're going to meet somebody that in two years, they might be your perfect connection and you've kept up with them and you know what's going on in their LinkedIn or whatever they're doing. Um, and also like Kate just said, maybe you're at a party. I always try to introduce myself to one person that I don't know you don't know how that one connection might help you out in the long run. Um, and it doesn't have to be a professional environment either. It could just be like you're at a Super Bowl party that your friends invited you to. Just meeting one person every time you step into a new room can infinitely grow your network and you just never know how that's going to help you out in the long run. So that would be my big piece of advice um, in terms of just networking. I think that's just so important. I just want to say y'all got this. I started applying um, for internships in August of 2019 and did not get an offer until that following February. And it was it was trying, but I can honestly say as cliche as it is that, that those those failures did help me put my best foot forward for, for the interview that finally clicked. So just want to encourage y'all and feel free to reach out on LinkedIn if there's anything I can do to help. I think that's a great, I think Ben has a really great point. That's a great way to think about it too, that I moved to New York City in the fall looking for a job and I didn't get my first job until March, but it was every in job in my field until March, but it was all of the things I did from November to March, the jobs that I had, the friends that I made, um, everything ended up being a building block to the job that I got today. So I also agree with Ben, you guys got this.
100%. I was I was in your guys' shoes just a couple of years ago trying to find something um, coming out of college. So um, understand it's difficult. And I think the one the one piece of advice I would have is, um, you know, give yourself a goal in terms of keeping that network up to date. I know Carmen mentioned it, but we all have lives. We all have things that get in the way. If you set yourself a goal of having one informational interview every two weeks or, you know, even if it's one every month, just keeping yourself disciplined um, to keeping that network and talking to new people, gaining new insights, um, I think is, is a really good way to go about it. I'll just add one thought. Um, maybe, Peter, we can set up another session where we talk about all the things that we failed at. Because this session was us talking about all the things that worked and that how you can do it to get get you where you want to be. I have had a ton of failure, disappointment, rejection, banging my head against the wall, obstacles. Like you know, I'm a woman videographer. That's not working out for people. You know, there's so many ways that all of us have experienced that your your obstacles are not that unique. Um, and so don't focus on the obstacle. Focus on the solution, and then find the solution that fits you. Because what fits for me may not fit for you, but make it yours. So it can be an outcome that you're looking for. Always look for topic ideas. So thank you. That's a good one. Panelists, thank you so much. Thanks for everybody for attending. Uh, Sloan for moderating and, and Ryan helping out in the chat. So uh, this session will be recorded. I did put in the chat the link to the YouTube page. It should be up there tomorrow. So um, other than that, everybody have a great night. Thanks, everyone.